Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Go get him, tiger. Rawr. <laughs> From Michigan and Trumbull, here in Detroit, Sweet 16, Throwback League Baseball with the one-seed 84 Tigers taking on the upset-minded 12-seed, the 98 San Diego Padres. This is Josh Lewin, and yes, if you're paying attention, that's right, the Tigers-Padres series, exactly what the Tigers had in 84 when Sparky Anderson's Plus Your Boys Tigers won it all in five. But this time, it's not Kirk Pavacqua, it's Ken Caminiti. It's not Alan Wiggins, it's Kilby Overis. And Andy Ashby on the mound for San Diego. The Tigers counter with fellow right-hander Dan Petrie. So far, so fun with this podcast project. The Tigers, not surprisingly, made it through to be here today, a crisp autumn afternoon in this big white brick stadium at the edge of downtown. The Padres, they had to work a bit. Their first round game was at Dodger Stadium. We took down Oral Hershiser. The next round, they went up to Toronto, and they dumped the four-seed, the 92 Blue Jays, behind a pair of home runs from shortstop Chris Gomez, future Tiger. This time, they're asked to giant kill the one-seed, and it sure won't be easy. Let's scout those 84 Tigers, thanks to Hall of Fame and Sunday Night Baseball announcer John Miller. So that Tiger team, and, and Sparky Anderson, in some ways, it was... Uh, the worst year for him because when they got off to such an incredible start, all they could think of was if we don't win after this kind of a start, that's just a collapse and none of us, our reputations will never recover. We'll be branded with that forever. And he said he went into the, the, the was Jim Campbell was the general manager over and over again saying, we got to get rid of this guy. We got to acquire that guy. We need this. We need that. Because he was just uh, so paranoid about the, the collapsing and whatnot. Well, suffice to say, the, the Blue Jays were a very good team. Uh, they were an up-and-coming team at that time, a uh, previous expansion team that was finally getting good now under Pat Gillick, the general manager, Hall of Famer. And, uh, and the Tigers uh, just were not to be denied. They went on 104 games, and and they just ran roughshod through the entire field in the in the postseason. So a great Tigers team, and uh, and yet it was you know Trammell and Whitaker and Kirk Gibson were the big guys that you think of in that team, but uh, everywhere in the field they had a good player, and they had uh, uh, two or three platoons. They had guys off the bench, and it really was uh, for me the the team that got Jack Morris into the Hall of Fame because he was the ace on a great team. 
Thank you, John. We will hear from Jack Morris late in this broadcast. Jack, as you may know, does some color commentary on the Tigers TV broadcast now, as does Kurt Gibson and tonight's starter, Mr. Petrie, on occasion. As for the team the Tigers will face, let's get into the 98 Padres. Just to remind you of who they are and what they did. And yeah, here's a little 98 for you. 98 wins in 98. Looked like they would get past 100, but they, they went 3-9 and nine down the stretch. Made it to the World Series for just the second time in franchise history, and when they did, it did not go well. Game one, they were up 5-2, couldn't hold it. Of course, Mark Langston had Tino Martinez struck out with that 2-2 fastball, as we all know, but yeah, anyway. Uh, game two, that was pretty much done in when Paul O'Neill had a, a leaping catch to Rob Wally Joyner right at the, the Nobody Beats the Wiz sign in right field in New York. The Yankees would go on from there to win handily. Game three, Scott Brocious, big home run off Trevor Hoffman in the eighth to make it 5-3 New York. They had been down 3-0. Sterling Hitchcock, former Yankee, had hit six scoreless, but it didn't matter. Andy Sheets struck out against Mariano Rivera with two outs in the ninth. The Yankees would win that one 5-4. Then game four, World Series, down 3-0, bases loaded, two out, bottom of the eighth. If anyone could have hit the grand slam to make some magic, it would have been the king, Jim Layeritz, but he, he lined to center instead. 3-0 the final. The Yankees had their World Series sweep. Although, two weeks after the World Series, San Diegans voted to build Petco Park. 17 lawsuits, and six years later, it opened, and it was so long at Jack Murphy Stadium. Elsewhere in baseball in 98, well, the Padres picked a rough year to be relevant. Everyone was watching McGuire and Sosa, and not so much the Padres. And then they matched up against those 114-win Yankees. So, you look around 98, and... For the Padres, Bruce Bochy obviously at the helm. They had stars in their 30s. Greg Vaughn with the 50 home runs. Wally Joyner had a great age 36 season. You had Caminiti and Finley. Kevin Brown, who probably should have won the NL Cy Young. Tony Gwynn was 38, still hit 321. Truly a remarkable year around baseball. Tim McCarver even wrote a book about it called The Perfect Season, though honestly there were a ton of books about that home run chase and that season. But... Yeah, the Kerry Wood 20 strikeout game, the only hit he gave up, really should have been an error. And he, uh, he hit Craig Biggio, who was always getting hit around that time. 20 strikeouts in that game. Not officially a perfect game, but it was pretty close. The actual perfecto, thrown by native San Diegan David Wells against the Twins May 17th. He said in his words he was half drunk in that one. Beanie Baby Day at the ballpark. A-Rod became the third player in baseball history after Conseco and Bonds to have a 40-40 season. A-Rod finished ninth in the AL MVP voting that year <laughs> with a 40-40 season. Juan Gonzalez won the award with 157 runs batted in. Arizona and Tampa Bay made their debuts. Buck Showalter managing the Diamondbacks. They went 65-97 and with uh, Omar Dahl as their best pitcher, probably. The Devil Rays lost 99 games. Their best guy was Rolando Arojo. Mike Piazza had a crazy year. The five-time All-Star, he was just kind of shipped around all over the place that year. The Mets and Marlins, both on that list. And this, of course, was the year that Cal Ripken Jr.'s streak finally came to an end. Cal sat himself down. Ryan Miner, the former Oklahoma basketball player, was the man who replaced him, thought it was a rookie prank that someone was, was playing on him. Let's get to the lineup with no changes in this one for San Diego here in Detroit. Kilby Overis leads off at second, then it's Wally World at first. Greg Vaughn is in left. Ken Caminiti is at third. Tony Gwynn in right. Chris Gomez at short. Steve Finley in center. Carlos Hernandez is the catcher. They're going to DH Greg Myers in this one, batting ninth. 
in the order for Bruce Bochy. Now, for the home team. Sparky's 84 Detroit team that famously began 35-5 actually started the year 9-0. Started with a five-game road trip, came home to a huge opening day crowd. No Tiger team since 1911 had started the season with six straight wins. They got that done in a handful more. And when the streak came to an end, the fans in Detroit booed. Sparky Anderson said he didn't mind because fans expect perfection because they pay for perfection. And that team really wasn't perfect. It was just very, very good. Tigers didn't lead the league in batting average or slugging or OPS. But Lance Parrish, Kirk Gibson, Chet Lemon, they all had 20 or more home runs. Five of their regular starters had an OBP over 350. They had five regulars giving them somewhere between 60 and 80 runs batted in. Nobody with more than 100 runs batted in for the season. Kirk Gibson, a 2020 year, first ever Tiger to do that. Alan Trammell had 19 steals. So, in short, a very well-balanced team offensively. And their closer was a workhorse, the MVP and the Cy Young Award winner. Who would have seen this coming? Willie Hernandez. Sparky Anderson had told his front office, you get that guy, we'll win it next year. He was right. The screwball throwing lefty, saving 32, 1.9 ERA, a whip of 0.9. But I think the amazing thing about Willie Hernandez is how much he pitched. 140 innings. That's more than a lot of starting pitchers throw these days. He got into 80 games in 84, and in more than a half of them, 56 of them, he pitched more than one inning. Sparky saying, uh, don't ask me to explain Willie Hernandez. You can't explain a miracle. Doesn't matter if Willie's pitching against a righty or a lefty. Sometimes I don't even think Willie knows who he's facing. The starters were so good, too. In fact, fourth game of the season, Jack Morris with a no-hitter. That was on national TV, NBC Game of the Week. It had been more than 25 years since the Tigers had a no-hitter. Jim Bunning had done that. But going forward, 104 regular season wins, and they lost only one game the entire postseason. This was back in the days where the ALCS was settled in a best of five, but they, they swept the Royals, took 11 innings in game two. Game three was very close. Milt Wilcox had a great eight-inning two-hitter, but that's who the Tigers were in 84. They were 11-2 and two in extra innings, 25-11 and 11 in one-run games. They simply got it done. World Series, dominant. Now, they did drop game two only because Dan Petrie threw a bad pitch in the fifth inning, the three-run homer to Kurt Favacqua. But uh, other than that, you know, the Tigers won three in a row at home. That was that short postseason. Never a doubt about who was going to win it. Pop culture of 84. Michael Jackson in a Pepsi commercial with a young Alfonso Ribeiro. Yes, Carlton from The Fresh Prince. Frankie goes to Hollywood, tells the, word to, or tells the world to relax. Sally Field and Places in the Heart wins the Oscar and says, You really like me. You had uh, dancing and rock music band in a small fictional town of Beaumont until Kevin Bacon moved in and, and changed things up. Cindy Lauper, uh, not too far of a tangent, taught us the girls just want to have fun. O.J. Simpson was in a big rental car commercial. 89 bucks a week you could have rented a car in 1984 for your friends at Hearst. And uh, on TV, Dynasty in Dallas, those were the biggies. Cosby Show after that, Family Ties, A-Team, Simon & Simon, Knott's Landing, Falcon Crest. Anybody remember Hotel? That was a big deal. Uh, Magnum P.I. Of course, Tom Selleck, a.k.a. Magnum, always wore his Tigers hat as he was solving crimes. I mean, why wouldn't he? Tigers did win a World Series rather decisively, so go ahead and wear that Old English D, Mr. Selleck. The final out squeezed by Larry Herndon in left field off the bat of Tony Gwynn, who, of course, is in this one here today. 
Herndon's in the lineup for Sparky. Lemon's in the lineup. Let's give you the top to tail Tiger lineup for Sparky Anderson. Howard Johnson leads off at third base. Didn't do a lot of that in the postseason. In fact, none of it in the postseason. But he's out there today. Lou Whitaker at second. Kirk Gibson in right. Lemon's in center. Trammell's at short. Dave Bergman at first. The wheel. Lance Parrish is the catcher. Herndon's in left. Daryl Evans will DH. And bat number nine. On the mound... The 18-8 Dan Petrie, part of the 84 World Series initiative, the 87 AL East Division title, would go on to help the Braves in the 99 pursuit of the National League pennant. Fifth in the voting for Cy Young in the AL here in 84. 125 and 104 all-time, made exactly 300 starts. Family man, these days he's got a son, Matt, who's a head coach at Orchard Lake St. Mary's around Detroit. They've won a couple of state titles. Another son, Jeff, is a defenseman for the Montreal Canadiens in the NHL. Petrie, a native Californian, began his big league career in the late 70s, ended in the early 90s. And here he will begin against Padres leadoff man Kilvio Veras. Switch hitter batting 267. Six home runs, 45 runs batted in. He takes outside, ball one. We are underway. Johnson at third. He's in a little bit. Shortstop Trammell, Whitaker of course at second, Bergman at first, and left to right in the outfield it goes Herndon, Lemon, and Gibson. They're straight away. Next delivery, that's outside again, 2-0. Padres in the gray pants, the blue tops with the orange trim. Tigers in the classic whites with that old English D on the chest. The navy blue on the white. Pitch is poured in for a strike, it's 2-1. These Padres pretty much had things wrapped up by mid-September of 98. They clinched the division, though, in dramatic fashion. 61,000 watching on at Qualcomm Stadium. They fell behind L.A. 7-0. They came back. Veras had a part of that. He had the game-tying sack fly. Greg Vaughn eventually the go-ahead single. Next pitch swung on. That's a base hit in the right center. Speaking of singles, here's one for Veras. Kirk Gibson plays it back in. And watch for Veras to maybe run at some point now. He did lead the National League in steals in 1995 with Florida. Here's a lefty Wally Joyner. 298 hitter with a dozen home runs. Probably remember him from his rookie season with the Angels. Fan favorite. Wally World and all that. ESPN's Chris Berman famously anointed him Wally Absorbing Joyner. That was a nickname that stuck. Throw to first and Veras is back. Joining the starting first baseman in the 86 All-Star Game. First rookie to be voted in by the fans. There was a home run derby that year. He tied Daryl Strawberry for first in that. Here's the pitch and it's low. It's 1-0. No score, just underway. Joyner moved on to the Royals. Eventually traded to the Braves. And then finished where it had all begun with those Anaheim Angels. Pitch is fouled at the plate. It's 1-1. Where no one will confuse Angel Stadium with Tiger Stadium. Very different neighborhoods, very different vibe. 340 down the left field line here. Just 325 to right there with the overhang painted blue and right. 440 to dead center with that flagpole way out there in center. You hit that, that's impressive, but it is in play. Here's the pitch. This one popped up. Foul ground first base side. Dave Bergman just a little bit in the foul territory makes the catch. Veras right back to the bag. 
Throw one out. That brings up the mashing right-hander, Greg Vaughn. 272 hitter, 50 home runs, 119 batted in. Stole 11 bases, too. Originally out of the University of Miami, the cousin of Mo Vaughn. And like his cousin, he can mash. Four-time All-Star, Silver Slugger here in 88. Pitches in for a strike from Petrie, nothing in one. Vaughn was picked fourth overall by the Brewers in 86. Usually around a 250 hitter. That's why he didn't get as much love as some of the other players of his era. Those 50 home runs in 1998, only fourth in the National League. Griffey, Sosa, McGuire ahead of him. McGuire's first Major League home run, by the way, was right here at Tiger Stadium. Pitchers in the dirt, one and one. Greg Vaughn, when brought in at the trade deadline initially in 96, did very little. Same in 97, hit just 216, 18 home runs. But 1998, 272 with 50 home runs. Almost dealt to the Yankees in the offseason for Kenny Rogers. The Yankees killed that deal when he failed his Yankees physically. Patriot check of the runner. Varis creeping off at first. Leg kick and now the pitch. Swung on, hit deep. Left center field, back towards that clock on the wall. It is gone. It's a home run. A 2-0 lead for San Diego. That ball didn't get out by all that much. Larry Herndon went back to that wall in left center, just couldn't grab it. So the guy that sat on 49 home runs for 13 days down the stretch of the regular season, wasting no time this afternoon. Vaughn was stuck on 49 till his final at bat of the season. Sent a laser down the left field line against the Diamondbacks. This laser to left center makes it 2-0. Here's Caminiti. 2.52 hitter, 29 home runs. And Vaughn, by the way, next year he'll be the first player in Major League history to be traded after a 50 home run campaign. Moved on to the Reds. There's a strike to Caminiti, the goatee to switch hitter. It's nothing in one. Vaughn with a goatee, too, and there was some controversy when he went to Cincinnati. Of course, you're not supposed to have facial hair. Thanks to Marge Schott. What's the line? Lucky they let you have eyebrows in Cincinnati. Next delivery, that's a strike in the outside corner. Nothing in two. Caminiti in 99, after the 99 season, traded by the Padres with Mark Sweeney to Cincinnati. Or uh, talking about Vaughn, that is. Vaughn traded to, uh, to Cincinnati in the Reggie Sanders deal. Damian Jackson going the other way. And Vaughn eventually at Tampa Bay. Devil Ray and Colorado Rocky, too. Caminiti's been in transit a bit himself. Remember, he was an Astro before being a Padre. Here's the 0-2. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Well, Caminiti is done. Looks like the breaking ball from Petrie. Second out. Comes on a K. And here's Tony Gwynn, who's probably not going to strike out. Left-hand batter, now 38 years old. 321 hitter. 16 home runs. 1998 is one year after what he would call his most complete season. Eighth and final batting title. He had 372. Had his personal best in home runs with 17. Personal best in runs batted in close to 120 at 49 doubles. He tried the Ted Williams suggestion, San Diego native Ted Williams, the suggestion that history is made on the inside pitch. Turn on that ball and drive it. Pitch to Gwynn is inside. It's 1-0. Can't turn on that. 
Gwynn is going to make some contact when he's up there. Even against Hall of Famers, he always put the ball in play. In Gwynn's career against, for example, Pedro Martinez, 36 at-bats, never struck out. Everyone else Pedro faced even 20 times, struck out at least once. Gwynn had 16 extra at-bats and never did. As he takes high, it's 2-0. and How about what Gwynn did against Greg Maddox? Everyone besides Gwynn that Maddox faced in his Hall of Fame career at least, let's see here, 25 times struck out at least once. Gwynn faced him 107 times, never did strike out. Left-hand batter with a bit of Padre Paunch, that number 19 on his back. 2-0 pitch. He's hit the other way on the ground, but Howard Johnson is there. The third baseman slings it across in time to get him. And the side retired. However, the 98 Padres take the lead on the Greg Vaughn home run. It's 2 to nothing, middle of the first. Let's keep it here in 1998. Okay, when I sit down chicken McNuggets. I know, I hit the gong. In honor of Disney's new movie, Mulan, the epic adventure about this cool girl who saves China. McDonald's is offering tender, crispy chicken McNuggets and a new Szechuan sauce for a taste of the East. Starting Tuesday, get six pieces for 99 cents. Or 20 pieces for 329. And please hurry, or Gong Boy over here may never stop. Well, as for something you can get into right now here in 2020, may we suggest you try out our good friends at Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf. If you're listening to us in San Diego, you know they're all over the place in San Diego and in LA. Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf, the most perfectly blended coffee on either coast of the great USA. Since 1963, Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world with responsibly sourced ingredients and handcrafted coffees and teas. The Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf can experience like no other. Well, on the mound for San Diego here, Andy Ashby, Kansas City native, 98 and 110 for his career. He's had shoulder, neck, and back injuries, but everything coming together here in 98, 17 and 9, 334 ERA. One of his two all-star major league seasons is this year. Former Philly and future Philly when you talk about Andy Ashby. Uh, this is a guy that will be part of the Rockies expansion draft after his second stint in Philadelphia. Kevin Brown is the ace on this staff. There's no disguising that. I mean, let's not try to pretend that you'd rather have Andy Ashby on the mound in this one. That's certainly not the case. Kevin Brown, just to give him his due here in 1998. Uh, I mean, maybe the, the best one for me, the, the best stat you can give is there was a, a stretch where he won 11 straight decisions. His ERA went up during that time. He outdueled Kurt Schilling in early August to take that streak to 11, striking out 11 Phillies in the process. Let us see what he can get done here against a very tough opponent. The Detroit Tigers of 1984. Howard Johnson wearing number 20 will lead it off. Harry Carey used to say, here's Howard Hojo Johnson. I always thought you were supposed to say either Howard Johnson or Hojo, but Harry always said, here's Howard Hojo Johnson, who takes a strike, and it's nothing in one. Howard Johnson originally a pitcher, but the Tigers converted him to infield in 1981. He had 22 home runs for... Birmingham, the double-A, promoted all the way to Detroit to start 82. Didn't really take, but by 83 and 84, everything was going well enough where, yeah, you, you get a sense he's going to be just fine. 
Next delivery, that's high, and it's one and one. Two-nothing ball game on the Greg Vaughn home run. Here in 84, a platoon with Tom Brookins for a while, but then eventually it would be Brookins, Marty Castillo, Daryl Evans all splitting time at third. Next pitch in there for a strike. Fastball at the knees, one and two. After this 84 season, the Tigers will move him along to the Mets for Walt Terrell. That move put three players at third base for the Mets. Same problem the Tigers had, but then just a few days later, the Mets sent Hubie Brooks to Montreal, got Gary Carter, so everybody ended up happy. Pitch is swung on and missed, strike three. Uh, fastball with a little bit of tail on it, and Howard Johnson chasing. One down here is Sweet Lou Whitaker, wearing number one on his back. 289 a hitter, 13 home runs. He was the rookie of the year in 78. He'll be a five-time All-Star in his career. Four Silver Slugger awards, three gold gloves. He and Alan Trammell, the longest-running double play combo in Major League history. The pitch from Ashby is low, 1-0. Not a great season, but a decent 84 for Whitaker. And the day Detroit clinched the World Series, the second eldest of his four daughters was born. Next pitch fouled right back to the net, 1-1. One one. Looking at that number one on his back, Remember the 85 All-Star game? Lou forgot to pack his uniform. Discovered that way too late, so he found some replica merchandise available for purchase in the park. He got one of those adjustable mesh hats, a blank jersey. Magic markered the number one onto his back. Takes his pitch high. It's 2-1. and one. 86 All-Star game went better for him, even though he, he struck out against Fernando Valenzuela. He later hit a two-run home run. The American League won it 3-2, thanks to Lou Whitaker. Next delivery is cut on, hit in the air towards right. Straight away is Tony Gwynn. He's there, pounds the glove, makes the catch. So two down, and here's Kirk Gibson. Lefty hitting 282, 27 home runs, 29 steals. Padre fans do not want to see Kirk Gibson batting in 1984. Game five of that World Series, Kirk homered early off Mark Thurmond, then ignited the winning rally off Andy Hawkins in the sixth, and then he... Put it all away against Gossage in the eighth. You know, the Padres out-hit Detroit in that five-game World Series, 44-40. But almost got swept. Pitch is tipped foul at the plate. It's nothing in one. Check swing on a fastball. We'll see Ashby work pretty quickly. That's a staple for San Diego starters going back to the curly-haired Randy Jones, who once had a 68-pitch complete game win against the Pirates. 59 strikes, nine balls. Bob Skinner, the Pirates hitting coach, said those sinkers were too good to take and too tough to hit. Next delivery flies outside. It's one and one to Gibson. Well, Randy Jones, Cy Young in 76, had a run of 68 innings without walking a batter. It was almost a record. Tied Christy Mathewson's record. Got ahead of Giants backup catcher Mark Hillow in two. Needed just that out for the record outright. Then he threw four in a row, two wide. Pitch to Gibson. Fly ball deep. Center field. Finley back. Still back. Back to Zamor near the flagpole. He makes the catch. Oh, what a great running play by Steve Finley in straightaway center. That would have been a double easily, if not a triple, for the locomotive Kirk Gibson. As it stands, no runs. One man left on base at the end of a single inning. 
It is a 2-0 lead for the 98 Padres ahead of the 84 Tigers. We'll pause for this. I'm here for my appointment, doctor. Count Dracula, when are you going to come in through the door? Forgive me. Now, just because I'm your psychiatrist doesn't mean you can come in here and act crazy. I'm so upset. What's your problem? I'm never satisfied. You need an extra bite. I love an extra bite. Have you tried Baby Ruth? Does she live alone? The candy bar, Count. Baby Ruth is bigger than most other leading candy bars, so you get an extra bite in every bar. But how does it taste? I'm very picky. Mm, Delicious. Baby Ruth has lots of fudge and nuts and caramel. Mm, Yum. I love that. But, Doctor, this big Baby Ruth must be very expensive. Not at all, Count. You get an extra bite in every bar of Baby Ruth without paying extra. That's amazing. I'll go to the store and get a big bunch of bigger Baby Ruths. Who knows? Maybe I'll stay home tonight. (laughs) Great, Count. Just remember to go out the... You get an extra bite in every bar. Morning came, afternoon went, evening arrived, I was spent. Boss says to work some overtime. I say, boss gotta be at school by nine. Boss is looking nasty and mean, so I reach in my pocket for Cafedrine. Cafedrine, stimulant capsules, maximum strength, time release. Next thing I know, work's all done. I'm heading to school on Highway 1, feeling bright, feeling keen, thanks to the help from Cafedrine. Keeps you sharp. The San Diego Padres of 1998 have the lead on the 84 Detroit Tigers. Josh Lewin with you at Tiger Stadium. Dan Petrie on the mound. And yeah, Jack Morris was the more famous pitcher in this rotation, no question about it. But as Jack Morris will tell you, it was guys like Petrie who made the 84 Tigers who they were. Everyone chipped in on this team. Well, that's just it. We had a team full of guys that knew their role, and, you know, we fit so well together. We liked each other. We pulled for each other. Uh, Dan Petrie was a guy that, you know, in the world that we live in, you rarely find a guy that's better than he thinks he is. Um, You know, you see so many people that think they're better than they are, uh, especially in the sports world. Dan was one of those guys that was probably better than he believed he could be. And, uh, he always, he always, you know, kind of didn't give himself enough credit. He, he was good. He was really good. In fact, at one time, uh, him and Dave Steve probably had the two best sliders in, in the American League. And, uh, Danny, you know, he, he learned that he could go out and trust his stuff. And when he started doing that, he, you know, he came close to 20 wins, uh, season every other, you know, almost every year for a few years. So, you know, he was a great guy. Everybody got along with Dan. He wasn't a, he wasn't an instigator per se. He, he was the kind of guy that fit in extremely well with the team. Seemed like everybody really liked him and wanted to pull for him in every which way. Thanks much to Jack Morris for weighing in. It is a two nothing lead for the San Diego Padres of 1998. Let's move ahead to further action. Go to the top of the third when the Padres will pile it on against Mr. Petrie. Greg Myers leading off with a single to right center. Kilvio Veras reaching on a fielder's choice. It's not easy to double up Kilvio Veras. Wally Joyner also then reaching on a fielder's choice. Also second base to short. So it's at that point two outs. Doesn't look like a big deal. But Greg Vaughn working a walk on a full count. Ken Caminiti who struck out in the first inning. Sorry Charlie. Not this time. Pounds it to the middle of that upper deck. Three run home run. So now five to nothing 
San Diego. Tigers trying to come back bottom four. Lou Whitaker leads it off with a single. Gibson fouls out to the first base side, but then Chet Lemon doubles to left. Whitaker held it third. Alan Trammell, the ground ball out that got the run home anyway, made it 5-1. to one. Tigers would not score in the fifth, but they would start to load up in the bottom of the sixth inning. Howard Johnson, base hit to right center. Lou Whitaker a walk. Kirk Gibson works the walk. Bases loaded, nobody out. Lemon hits what looks like a double play ball, but he beats it out. So it's just a 6-4 fielder's choice. Another run coming in on a, on a fielder's choice, making it 5-2. Trammell then, zapping one in a left, a base hit, makes it 5-3. Dave Bergman follows with a sack fly, cuts it to 5-4, but Lance Parrish can't get anything done. Hits one sharply to Kilvio Veras at second. A 4-3 putout that retires the side with the score 5-4 at that point. Now, to the top of the seventh inning. Padres looking for a little bit extra here, and they would get it with one swing. Ken Caminiti added again. Two-out home run. So, yeah, his second home run of the game. This one uh, kind of down the line in right field and not nearly as far as his first one. Makes it a 6-4 score. So let's go to the bottom of the seventh inning. Tigers needing something here. Larry Herndon leads off with a single to left against Andy Ashby. And that brings up the number nine hitter in the DH, Daryl Evans. Rupert Jones and Johnny Grubb, by the way, among others, that have gotten some DH work for Sparky this year. Even Barbara Garbay, who had a higher batting average than Kirk Gibson. You can look it up. 287 to 282. Barbara Garbay, the better hitter than Kirk Gibson. And a pretty decent number of at-bats for Garbay, too. Pitch is outside from Ashby 1-0. To Daryl Evans, who this past winter became really the first big name free agent to be signed by the Tigers. Three year deal worth two and a quarter million dollars. And a lot of money in 84. Baseball historian Bill James has rated Daryl Evans as, quote, the most underrated player in baseball history. 400 home run hitter. He was the second to hit at least 100 with three different teams. Pitches outside 2 and L. 1,600 walks, 8th in Major League history when he retired, 361 on base percentage, only a two-time All-Star, just never really got his due. Taking here, and it's a strike at the knees, 2-1. Herndon, the runner at first. We talked about the fast start of the Tigers in 84, and no one started faster than Evans. Had a three-run home run in the opener on the road, then came home in the home opener, three-run home run, his first swing at Tiger Stadium. But sadly, Evans' father passed away at the end of July here in 84 after a long battle with cancer. And Daryl Evans missed several games to attend that funeral back in California. Sparky Anderson's dad passed in California during the summer, too. Here's the pitch. That's rolled on the ground towards short. Gomez on to Veras at second. That's the only out they'll get. Ball was a little bit towards the backhand side of Gomez, who's a good defensive player, but had a long way to range. Evans going down the line best he could. A 6-4 fielder's choice, one out, and here is Howard Johnson, 0-3 so far. There's support behind Ashby in the San Diego bullpen. The bullpens are located down the foul lines here at Tiger Stadium. And that appears to be Dan Maselli loosening the right-hander. San Diego bullpen in 98, anchored, of course, by the Hall of Fame closer Trevor Hoffman. 1.480 RA this year. 53 of 54 in save opportunities with that unfair changeup. 
But you also had the setup men, Maselli, Donnie Wall, Scott Sanders. Solid body of work out there. First pitch to Johnson is blasted way back. Right field, soaring towards the upper deck. Home run! Midway up the bleachers. Oh, this place is going crazy. A similar spot of the ballpark where Kirk Gibson hammered that pitch from Goose Gossage in the World Series. Two-run home run. This game is tied 6-6. And that's going to do it for Andy Ashby. Six in the third inning, seven hits, six runs allowed, a couple of walks, three strikeouts. Dan Maselli, the right-hander being summoned. Wow, what a shot for Howard Johnson towards the roof. Not an orange roof for Howard Johnson, but, but this Tiger Stadium roof, which will end up having been cleared 33 times in right field, only four times in left. Tiger Stadium once went from a Ted Williams shot in 1939 to a Mickey Mantle home run in 56 without a roof shot at all. That's 17 years without. But overall, 33 times. Kirk Gibson, three times. Norm Cash, four times. Tony Clark did it a couple times. Same for Jason Thompson and Mickey Tettleton. Most is a visitor, although everybody thinks Reggie Jackson because of that light tower shot in the All-Star game. Mickey Mantle was a guy that did it three times as a visitor. Two of them off the same guy, Paul Foytek. So, 6-6 now, and the Tigers are doing what they do so well in 84. They just don't give in. It's a team with no 20-game winners, 130 home run hitter, no 100 RBI guys, one 300 hitter, nobody with 30 steals. They use 17 different DHs. But the biggest day may have been a week before the season started. Traded Glenn Wilson and John Wackenfuss to Philly for Dave Bergman and Willie Hernandez, the latter becoming AL MVP. And we might see him in this one now that it's 6-6. Six to six. Dan Maselli almost done with his warm-up throws. And they're doing the wave here at Tiger Stadium now. Some say the crazy George Henderson, the professional cheerleader, introduced the wave for the first time in a baseball game in 81. But Sparky always said the Michigan Wolverines fans were doing the wave over in Ann Arbor in 83. And those same fans... Uh, brought it to Tiger Stadium in 84. So when the Tigers won the series, they were on TV. Uh, obviously, to great ratings. That's when people all over America saw the wave. And from there, it kind of spread like a fungus. Lou Whitaker, the batter, one for three. Takes the strike at the knees from the stocky right-hander, Maselli. Maselli, by 2003, will be the winner of the Rand McNally Award. First player in history to pitch in four different divisions all in the same season. NL West, NL Central, AL East, AL Central. He'll end up being on 32 different professional baseball teams in a 17-year career. Pitch to Whitaker outside. It's one and one. Dan Maselli, no relation to Tony Maselli, the lead character on, yeah, Who's the Boss? The Tony Danza vehicle. Maselli known as Rambo. His Marlins teammates called him the Godfather. His voice is straight from the back alleys of Newark, New Jersey. Pitch is low, two and one. When Maselli was with the Pirates, he and Jim Gott used to practice martial arts. Gott once said of Maselli, I do it as a hobby. This guy could kill you. Dan Maselli insists he doesn't have a black belt. Says his three older brothers have the black belts. The pitch. Ooh, speaking of belts, space hit right field. Solid contact from Sweet Lou Whitaker. Tony Gwynn plays it in. And here's Kirk Gibson. 
Well, how about the right fielders in this game, by the way? Kirk Gibson and Tony Gwynn, two transcendent players. One maybe could have played in the NBA in Gwynn. One definitely could have played in the NFL. That's Kirk Gibson, who's a star wide receiver at Michigan State. Here's the pitch. Ooh, it hit him. It hit him right in the shoulder. <laughs> and Gibson with a bit of a wry smile on his face. His mustache kind of pushed up a little bit. Yeah, Dan Maselli, he's, uh, <laughs> he's messing with, with Kirk Gibson here. Watch out. I mean, you, you hit that guy, you're kind of asking for it. But he does so in a 6-6 game. He's not trying to, to put the, the go-ahead runner in a scoring position. He's just done it. It's two on now for Chet Lemon. Three-time All-Star, including this year. Homer White Sox standout was a first-round pick in 72. We just saw Gibson get plunked. Lemon led the league in getting hit by a pitch four times. Taking here, and it's in at the knees. A sinker for a strike, nothing in one. You know, long before Colin Kaepernick was a name we knew, Lemon was sometimes criticized for not standing for the anthem. Due to his religious beliefs, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Taking high from Maselli, it's one and one. Lemon, L.A. native, attended Fremont High, and since we were just talking about football, he was on the football team there with Ricky Bell. Pitches outside, two and one. Ricky Bell, number one NFL draft pick in 1977 to the fledgling Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Fell out of USC, chosen ahead of Tony Dorsett, who went second to the Cowboys. Next delivery, hit slowly on the ground towards short, and they'll have one play that's at second base, a fielder's choice. Going to be first and third, one out. Gomez able to flip it kind of across his body, pursuing that ball as it never really did make it past the grass. He had to come in for it. And Kilvio Veras on the bag. So here's Alan Trammell now in a 6-6 game. Trammell, the four-time Gold Glover, three-time Silver Slugger Award winner, eventually a Hall of Famer. Some people think his double play partner, Mr. Whitaker, belongs there too. San Diego native taking strike one against these Padres. Trammell, a season-long battle with shoulder tendonitis, missed some time, but still, he was fifth in the AL batting race at 314 and was World Series MVP against his hometown guys. First and third, one out. And the pitch, that is lined in a left field. That's a base hit. Tigers take the lead, 7-6. Allen Trammell coming through. What a game he's having. Boy, all the Tigers who were kind of kept down for a while, they are starting to rise up. They have taken a 7-6 lead. Next batter, Dave Bergman. Let's move ahead again. Dave Bergman strikes out, ending the inning with damage done. Ashby charged with two of the three runs, Maselli the other. So from there, San Diego failing to score in the top of the eighth. We go to the bottom of the eighth. The put-away punch, just like what the Tigers did to the 84 Padres at Tiger Stadium, up by a little into the bottom of the eighth, right? Then up by a lot after it was over. This time, it wouldn't be Goose Gossage on the mound, though. Just Brian Boringer and the uh, third pitcher of what is now this late afternoon at Tiger Stadium. Let's just say it did not go real well for Brian Boringer. Lance Parrish, base hit to left center. Herndon, base hit to left field. And then Daryl Evans, three-run home run. Bang. 10-6 ball game. Howard Johnson lined out. Lou Whitaker reaching on an error. Gibson base hit to right center. Take that for the HBP. Lemon lines out to third, but then Alan Trammell comes up. 
buries one down the left field line. Three-run home run. That's a six-RBI game for Alan Trammell. Makes it 13-6. Boringer out, stands Spencer on to close it out. And indeed, closing it out would be the 84 Tigers. A final of 13-6. 13 runs, 15 hits, one error. Again, six runs, 10 hits, one error for the eliminated 98 Padres. So the 84 Tigers move on. The one seed holding serve. They'll get the upstart 11 seed coming up. This tournament's remaining Cinderella. The 95 Indians will be in the Elite Eight. Next week, though, we continue with the Sweet 16. And this is bizarre, but it sure will be fun. Grab your natty bow and let's go. We're going to 33rd Street in Baltimore, hun. It's the three seed from this region, the 83 Orioles, taking on the 10 seed, the 79 Orioles. Rick Dempsey's going to be exhausted. He's got a catch for both teams. Should be a lot of fun. In the meantime, don't forget to head to our website. You can check out this box score and all the others. Follow the brackets, of course, as well. We're at thethrowbackleague.com. You're invited to follow us on Twitter as well, at thethrowbacklg. Give us a nice rating if you would. We love five stars if you have that to do. We really appreciate that. Keep on telling people what we're doing as we grow the popularity of the Throwback League. This is Josh Lewin. Once again, the final score from Detroit, the 84 Tigers 13, the 98 Padres 6.